listening to NL Newsday with Jeff Andreas. All right, happy Wednesday afternoon. Thanks so much for tuning in to NL Newsday. And it's time now for the May edition of Radio NL's Community Town Hall. I host this on the last Wednesday of each month where I'm joined by a Kamloops City Councilor to take your questions and hopefully provide some answers. Maybe you have questions about, who knows, roads, maintenance within the city, you want to talk about parks, maybe you got concerns about commercialization at Riverside, whatever you have a question about, feel free to call or text 250-374-5345. Again, that is 250-374-5345 to take part in today's Radio NL Community Town Hall, which is brought to you by the Vic Downtown, roasted here, always fresh. And there is a uh, question submission box that's been set up at the Vic, and I got lots of people chiming in with questions in that fashion, and they have a chance to win a $10 gift card. So thanks to everyone who participated in that regard. Now, on the line with me here for this edition is the Deputy Mayor for the month of May and Kamloops City Councilor, of course, Sadie Hunter. Sadie, thanks so much for doing this. How are you feeling here on this Wednesday? I'm good, Jeff. Thanks for having me. And I have to say, I really enjoy your intro music. That's actually the last concert I went to before the whole pandemic started. Oh my goodness. Can't you you just can't wait to get back to a concert, can you? That's how I no, feel. No. Same so, here. Yeah. So lots of good news coming yesterday. We have a little bit of a timeline now for when we may be able to get back to that. Sounds like after the Labor Day long weekend, which is still a ways off, but hey, at least it's something to look forward to. Yeah, definitely a, a bit of a phase approach. And I think, it, I mean, it makes sense. It's based on vaccination rates, hospitalizations, um, and case numbers. So as long as we keep on the same trajectory that we're currently on, I think, you know, we can get a, have a close to normal uh, summer experience and then get back to the swing of things in the fall. So yeah, absolutely. everyone looking forward to it. For sure. Everyone's definitely looking forward to it. I can say that for sure. Uh, since we're talking about music, maybe I'll just start right here. And there's probably not a ton that you can say at this point in time since we just got word about the BC Restart plan yesterday. And, you know, in terms of what's going to be going on for summer events, there's probably a lot that needs to be figured out and is up in the air. But uh, someone did ask, you know, can we keep music in the park and just have, you know, maybe some less popular musicians or some more local musicians come and play some music and we can socially distance down at the park? Uh, again, it's probably too early to tell what exactly might be available in terms of being able to have some kind of an outdoor concert but do you foresee or, or are you hopeful that we might be able to see something like that come back before the end of the summer um well i think technically summer ends you know into september and we have a fairly long warm summer and you know even early fall here so i think realistically we'd be looking towards the end of the summer if we're talking about september october possibly um you know the way what was outlined yesterday my understanding is uh for the majority of the summer it will still be mostly you know a gathering of up to 50 people so i mean music in the park is considered an event so it, it would have to follow those public health guidelines right so mm -hmm. i think we all would love to see something and to, to be able to go and experience that but how would you manage um kind of the numbers and, and that distancing piece of it. So, mm -hmm. uh, and as you noted, it does take some planning behind it and organization. So, you know, I, I think if anything, we would be looking into the fall um, for something to happen. So yeah. who knows? 
Who knows, but I'll keep my fingers crossed. Thanks so much to Faye for asking that question. I got a few different questions here, uh, but with a very similar subject. So I'll kind of just group them all together. It's from uh, Laura Douglas. I had a Kasia and uh, Michaela all asking a question along the same lines. And that is, what is the city going to do in terms of shutting down Victoria Street to cars between 2nd and 5th Avenues or somewhere on that stretch anyway? I know we've done it in the past. We've seen experiments with it. I know like last uh, last summer, the farmer's market, right, for, for a little bit they closed off uh, one one section of Victoria Street, and there has been a lot of talk about a, a pedestrian square that could be created on Victoria Street. Have you heard any recent conversations about the idea of, of closing off Victoria to vehicular traffic and, and really opening it up to, to foot traffic and pedestrians? Has, has that something that's come up recently? Um, well, the, well, the farmer's market will be, so there will be um, a closure every Wednesday for the market, I believe, starting in June. Um, on Victoria Street, so that would be every Wednesday, I think, from 8.30 until 2. So that will um, occur again for the, the season on Wednesday. But in terms of any other block closures, I haven't heard anything. There was definitely discussion about rotating block closures um, to kind of create opportunities for different businesses along the corridor last summer that the... Um, downtown business association had brought forward but as of this year i haven't heard anything yet on it okay well, I know it's something that has come back or come up in the past, but I know the pandemic sort of put a wrench into some plans in terms of looking at, you know, what the downtown future might look like and things along those lines. So it is an idea that a lot of people have presented. I mean, like I mentioned, this uh, question box was set up at the Vic downtown. A lot of people probably sitting on the patio out yeah, there watching cars yeah. roll by and thinking, man, it might be nice if there was fewer cars driving by while I'm trying to enjoy my coffee. So I'm not Absolutely. surprised to see that. Yeah, And I would say and add to that, too, you know, I think the pandemic has offered some opportunities around what the downtown could look like, what, what in general, what areas of our city could look like in terms of adding and animating more spaces by creating those patio opportunities, whether they're on private land. So in Sahali, you know, Earl's has set up a patio in the grass there, or if it's downtown in the corridor. But I suspect that after into the fall, there will be an opportunity for a council and for the city to kind of, look at the different um, innovations that happened and maybe there'll be some inspiration for things that we want to keep um, into the future that might not have been tried otherwise. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, uh, we'll have to take a pause here right now. I do got to get the uh, 4.30 news underway here. That's coming up shortly. I just have a quick commercial break before that. But this is uh, uh, just the beginning of this conversation, Sadie. So stick around and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, rejoin here after the news. But thanks so much for doing this and uh, we'll be right back, okay? Yep. All right. So I'm here with Kamloops City Councilor Sadie Hunter on this May edition of Radio NL's Community Town Hall. If you want to participate, the phone line is open 250-374-5345. You can call, you can text, whatever way you prefer. We'll get your question on the air. Radio NL's Community Town Hall brought to you by the Vic Downtown. Roasted here, always fresh. Your news is next. This is NL Newsday with Jeff Andreas. Thanks so much for tuning in here on this Wednesday, May the 26th. Jeff Andreas here with you, and you're listening to the May edition of Radio NL's Community Town Hall, brought to you by the Vic Downtown, roasted here, 
always fresh. Now, of course, during the town hall session, I am joined by a Kamloops City Councilor. Today's guest is Councilor Sadie Hunter. And if you have a question that you want to ask Councilor Hunter, give me a call or a text right now at 250-374-5345. Councilor Hunter, thanks so much for uh, sticking around here with me. You're still there? Sure am. Okay, perfect. All right, I wanted to start with a text-in question that I got. Um, I think it was yesterday, actually, that someone had sent this in. But it basically says, how does the city justify its program of allowing condo developers in new complexes along the Tronquil Corridor, TRU, and in areas of downtown to not pay city taxes for 10 years? So eventually, we're, we're really talking about the, the whole initiative, right, to try to bring new developments to downtown Kamloops and basically providing a decade-long tax break for some of these larger builds. I guess there's a lot of concern about the lost uh, tax revenue that the city won't be getting as a result. So uh, what is your justification? Were you in favor of that when it first came up? I know there was some controversy about it around the council table. Um, well, so this is the revitalization tax exemption program. Yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily a new program. So it's been around for a while. What had come up was an amendment to it um, to um, kind of, I guess, refine the definitions of what qualified for the program. But it has definitely been around for quite a while. And I would it was originally designed um, to incentivize infill and development of sites, um, brownfield sites, so um, basically land that's sitting vacant or empty or sites that are underdeveloped or have older older properties that need revitalization, you know, as the term implies. Um, and it's been very successful in encouraging development um, um, that has facilitated densification and positive community growth. So I don't, I honestly don't know that you can look only at the dollars when measuring the overall benefit to the community. And, you know, 10 years might sound like a long time, but it's in terms of overall community benefit, it's, it's very short term and it's a short term window. Having said that though, the um, RTE, which is the short phrasing for it. The RTE bylaw is currently being reviewed by an external committee. Um, so that includes community members, the Chamber of Commerce, um, some members from the development community in the city um, to consider a number of revisions to it, which might include um, changing it so there's some different levels or zones for, um, so the exemption won't just be, uh, I guess, wouldn't be 10 years across the board. It might change depending on the exact location. So other communities have something similar, like the city of Kona. Um, so that's one of the things that they're looking at. We're also, they're also considering things like citywide implementation or incentives for building below market rentals or including a daycare space or even accessibility upgrades. So it's not just for, um, New developments, it also applies to, say, an older building. If somebody does some improvements to that older building, um, the tax exemption applies to the, I guess, the assessed value of those upgrades. So it's not just to incentivize and to support uh, big condo development. It's a little bit uh, more uh, comprehensive than that. So... That's kind of the the look at it, and just to, to touch on your point or the comment around TRU. I mean, the TRU development is part of the reach, and the reach is a completely separate okay. um, 
from the cities. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any idea, since you mentioned it's under review, any idea when that review will be completed and be back before council? Or have you heard a timeline for that? Or is that... Yeah. So I believe it will be coming to council, if I'm not mistaken, over the summer um, with a uh, view to try to refine it um, in the fall. Okay. So discussion of the potential revisions um, over the summer and then finalizing the bylaw in, into the fall. Perfect. Well, we'll look forward to, to that and follow up at that point in time. Here's a question from Sam McDougall, and I know that this is an issue that you have, uh, you know, kind of had close to you for some time. Uh, as far as I know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, active transportation and Sam asking specifically about bike lanes. He says it's time to catch up with the rest of Canada. He uses Edmonton as an example that has been implementing a lot of new bike lines within their municipality. I know this is something that Kamloops is trying to catch up on, but do you feel like mm -hmm. we're doing a good job of, of trying to get that additional active transportation network uh, and really really connect all of Kamloops with a way for people to, to travel the city without having to get in their cars? It's definitely a priority. I mean, right now, the focus is on the summit um, to downtown connection, um, which is uh, will connect basically the Huckdom Trail. It's on the top of Summit Drive down to the Lansdowne Exchange. And that's part of uh, overall connectivity eventually that will go all the way up to Aberdeen. Um, so there is the goal is uh, in the transportation master plan is to to complete several projects that will create a safe and convenient network um, for existing and also for new cyclists to travel basically from um, Bachelor Heights to Rivers Trail and then between Summit and, and Aberdeen Drive and then downtown corridor and in between. The other point on that is uh, last year as part of um, our, our supplementary budget items, I guess it would have been the year before last, mm -hmm. <laughs> last year was kind of a fog. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't, we, we deferred our supplemental budget. So the year before last, council voted um, to increase active transportation funding by almost a million dollars annually to try to accelerate um, these, these projects. So active transportation, though, I mean, the public needs to keep in mind is not just bike lanes, it's also sidewalks because we're not... It, we're not just talking about, you know, increasing access or the ability to ride a bike, but also for people to walk or to roll or whatever their mode of um, mobility is, is to support all of those across the community in the way that makes the most sense and enhance safety. Well, I know that uh, we're, we got some ways to go, but it sounds like, you know, a lot of work is being done. And you mentioned the additional dollars being pumped into the active transportation network, and that'll probably go uh, a long way as we see things uh, get built and developed. Uh, I got a question here from George M. It's a pretty wide open question. I'm not sure if uh, I agree with him, but the question basically says, why is Kamloops always being so cautious, never taking bold action or seeming to take the lead? I know you haven't been on council all that long, so maybe you feel things are different now since you've joined the council table, but do you feel like Kamloops has always been a pretty cautious municipality? Well, I mean, it's hard as an individual to speak for, you know, the Kamloops as a as a noun, uh, as an entire community. Um, what I would say is I think Kamloops historically has tended to be on the pragmatic, more conservative side in decisions, but not always. I think it would be situational and really depend on your perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, it would depend on the project. It would depend on, on you know what's being considered. So, I mean, I know 
there are examples, you know, historically of things that were um, kind of bold. You know, I think Sandman Center is an example of that, and so is the tournament capital, the Canada Games School. Those were things that were really, you know, big steps that were taken by the um, political elected officials at the time that have benefited Kamloops um, significantly. But that said, I do think there's room to kind of take some bigger steps and um, be a little bit more bold. And it is part of council's, you know, stated strategic plan is to to have bold leadership. And I think it's something that we all want to do. But it has it's always that fine balance between, you know, bold leadership and you know pragmatic approach and fiscal responsibility and good governance. So. Sometimes it doesn't, it's not overtly in your face bold, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it might be a little bit um, thinking outside the box. Yeah, for sure. Um, one more question here, and then we'll take a, one last break here before we get to the top of the hour. But I did get a caller come in and ask uh, just specifically about some social issues and, and specifically connected to your job. So I know you're now, you know, with Away Home Kamloops and you still have a, a seat around the Kamloops City Council table. Is it difficult for yourself to be having these conversations when it comes to social issues within our community? Um, and, and I think it's a good thing to have kind of an inside voice and you're dealing with youth homelessness and the issues that surround that and kind of have a nice eye on the street approach when, when probably having some of these conversations. But I'm imagining there are times when you might have to excuse yourself when it comes to making actual decisions because of a conflict of interest. So I'm just curious to get your thoughts since this question was posed to me. Um, you know, is it difficult kind of to, to juggle the, the needed conversations around social issues and around some of the concerns we see on the streets of Kamloops and trying to help council actually make decisions while still being able to, you know, do your day job? Has that been a challenge at all since you've taken on that role? Um, no, and what I would say is that the social issues, if you want to call them that, are community-wide, right? And there's a real distinction that I would like to emphasize around, um, I think, what people, what might come to mind when they think of social issues is what they might see, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of maybe theft or something like that that's a concern or a threat to property or property damage. That's not the same as those who are suffering from mental health um, issues or substance use or need support with housing. Like those are two separate um, conversations. So there is no conflict. And I really, really push back on marginalizing those who are struggling and, you know, kind of painting everyone with the same brush because Mm -hmm. that's not accurate. I, I really there, everyone is a citizen of Kamloops and I, I don't I don't agree with that. Um that viewpoint. Yeah, no, I, I really do appreciate that response, and I do agree with you. I think maybe we need to come up with a better term, right? Social issues is so general, and, and it means a heck of a lot more to, to someone than it means to somebody else, so maybe we need to adjust our terminology for sure, but uh, no, I really appreciate that answer, so thank you so much. Um, you're listening here to Radio NL's Community Town Hall. It's the May edition. It's brought to you by the Vic Downtown, roasted here, always fresh. If you got a question, you can call or text 250-374-5345. We'll take one last break, and uh, Councillor Hunter will be back in about two minutes. All right, so stand by. Mm-hmm. 
All right, thanks for tuning in to NL Newsday in this May edition of Radio NL's Community Town Hall. If you got a question to ask, please call or text 250-374-5345, and I'll do my best to get that on. Uh, only a few minutes left, so not a lot of time to get your questions in. I'm joined on the line by the Deputy Mayor for the month of May, Kamloops City Councilor Sadie Hunter. Uh, Sadie, I guess uh, we'll start with this. I, I've been kind of curious about this for quite some time, and I know things are going to be changing, but Tatiana Block wants to know, why is organic waste recycling ava not available right now in Kamloops? This has been something that I've, you know, wondered why it hasn't been in place. I know things are shifting right now, but why do you think it's taken so long to really have a good conversation about organic waste and, and finding a better way to dispose of it here in Kamloops? Uh, I think there's probably a number of reasons why. Um, I can't speak to all of them in detail because you know, I don't have that information in front of me. What, what I can say is that the city is right now um, on the Let's Talk Camelot's page has a survey posted um, looking for community input on the curbside organic waste collection program. So, um, sorry, uh, it's open until May 18th, I suppose. So mm -hmm. there are questions and information on there. So we are completing the information gathering phase, and then there will be a pilot program for organic waste recycling um, starting in September in certain neighborhoods. And then uh, we're looking, you know, fingers crossed, depending on how things roll out, to implement it um, for all single-family and multifamily households um, in July of 2023. Yeah, and, and I'm looking forward to that. I know a pilot's going to be starting here this September, and that'll kind of mm -hmm. really help uh, shape the program as it moves forward for sure. So uh, definitely a, a worthwhile question, and I know one that the city is indeed working on. Um, I got a question here from Dr. Lund asking, uh, why are you supporting restaurants through COVID-19, but not yoga slash fitness classes with free access to parks? Now, this question was probably submitted before the meeting where you guys did make a bit of a change in terms of green space mm -hmm. and opening that up. So what is the latest, I guess, in terms of that, uh, I know six uh, green spaces within the community are going to be available for outdoor fitness classes to to use those spaces. What what's what's next? I mean, I don't think we've actually heard what those uh, locations are yet. Do you know where we are in that process? Uh, I believe we'll be getting an update next week. I think it, you know we asked for the the request was for that pilot essentially for the next year to be implemented kind of immediately. Um, so I, my understanding is we'll have kind of a bit more certainty and clarity on those locations um, and how things will roll out next week. Um, so the idea behind that, though, is to just be a little bit more thoughtful uh, in the approach and not quite as reactive. I mean, I completely appreciate and understand that it, those businesses are also struggling along with many others in the community. I mean, even some of our commercial office spaces are struggling with people working from home, right? Mm -hmm. um, so every there there's challenges across the board. The, the intention behind that particular motion was to also consider the fact that lots of not-for-profits and other organizations also offer recreational programming and to not have it be um, solely focused on fitness studios, private fitness studios and yoga, but to have it more community-focused. So that was the goal in the motion that Councillor Sinclair and I brought forward was to have it a little bit more open 
do a trial, have it be first come first served, and just let the community moderate um, those locations and the access to those locations on their own and see how it goes. Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious as a bit of a follow-up here. Have you heard from any, um, you know, instructors or business owners in town who do own group fitness studios about this? I know we talked to one uh, yoga, studio owner, yoga studio owner who said, uh, you know, even if things open back up, as we kind of got the word yesterday in terms of the BC Restart Plan, when we might be able to have some of those group fitness activities inside. But she still said, you know, I would still love to be able to do this outside regardless of whether my studio is open or not. I'm just curious if you've heard uh, similar sentiments from other individuals here in um, I've heard from a few other businesses, but in, in general, that was a sentiment that I had, you know, sensed just through conversations in the community. And again, that was kind of the idea behind this this approach was to not have it be pandemic specific. Let's look at it from a longer term community benefit perspective, um, and you know, facilitating access to public spaces. Uh, we got a couple of minutes left here, so we'll see how many questions I can squeeze in. But I did have a question in regards to now that we do have the BC Restart Plan in place, I guess what is the municipality's role in trying to attract more tourists to Kamloops? And, and you know, now that the province has kind of a timeline of when we might be able to actually, ex uh, um, you know, welcome people from other communities, what is the municipality's role? I obviously, I think tourism Kamloops would probably take the lead in something like that. But mm -hmm. how does the municipality, you know, help with that process? I think by supporting tourism Kamloops efforts and the efforts of our chamber and local business associations, but um, through our own advocacy on our own social media accounts, it is similar to what was done in terms of promoting shopping local and, and exploring local. It really will be, I think, fairly similar over the summer because it'll still be focused on more provincial travel so we're not we're not looking to attract international tourists obviously so again just focusing on the benefits of exploring bc or exploring your region and encouraging people to come and visit kamloops and tourism kamloops you know obviously that's their specialty that's their the whole mandate so i'm sure that they have a plan on how they're going to approach that well, uh, we're out of time as I got to get set for the news here at 5 o'clock. But, Sadie, thank you so much for taking the time to join me here. Really appreciate this. Lots of good questions and some good conversation. And hopefully some people out there got some answers to the questions that they had. And uh, I didn't get to all of them, unfortunately. So they'll have to hopefully uh, submit some more questions for the next month's edition. But really appreciate this today. Thank you so much. There you go. Thanks, Jeff. Awesome stuff. That was Councillor Sadie Hunter. She is the Deputy Mayor for the month of May. Joining me on this month's edition of Radio NL's Community Town Hall, brought to you by The Vic Downtown, 4th and Victoria, cozy up with another cup. And of course, as I mentioned throughout the course of the show, those who submitted their questions to the submission box that was stationed at The Vic Downtown, you did have a chance to win a $10 gift card, so I'm going to pull a name from all of the submissions, and Kim Nackvi, you are the winner of a $10 gift card to The Vic Downtown.